Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. It has finally come to this. Here we are. I've been waiting for it to come to this. This particular one has been in in the making for a little while, <laughs> right? We've, we, I've we been were, dying we, to see this. I feel like we were supposed to see this movie a year ago. I think like two years ago. Is it, yeah, exactly. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. This is a movie podcast. We're finally here to talk about Candyman. That's right, but... But Eric, didn't we already do a Candyman episode? <laughs> we did do a great episode <laughs> with the exact same title one of as our best. this one. One of our best. One of my personal favorites. It was a good one. Uh, but this is the 2021 Candyman. The original Candyman is a movie that's very special to me. I love it. Absolutely. I don't know if I could name five horror movies that I love more. It's a movie I think about constantly. Yeah. You know? I, oh, yes. But this I don't, movie haunts me in yeah. good and bad ways. Seriously. Yeah, but I don't think about the uh, original Candyman for its... I don't think about like the social issues it brings up. You know... I don't, I don't think... I think about the performances, the gore, true. The, the music. Uh, but this movie really is This movie tackles that. it from a harder social aspect. But yeah. when we did... You know, that was only two years ago when we recorded the original Candyman. And... I think both of us were picking up more than we had picked up on it when we saw it as teenagers. For sure, definitely. Uh, this story of a white woman uh, and the privilege invoked in, you know, going into Cabrini Green uninvited mm-hmm. to like it's a National Geographic expose on there. Right. You know, we I wasn't picking up on those kind of lines when I was eleven years old and seeing it when I shouldn't have been seeing it. Yeah, we definitely picked up more on the aspect of Cabrini Green, this project in Chicago yeah. uh, that is notoriously, you know, violent and poor and all the bad stuff. Right. And how the place that I thought was so scary that it couldn't have been real. Right. Exactly. When I saw it the first time, it wasn't until I saw Hoop Dreams, mm-hmm. which is at the which set, was a documentary. I had no idea it was a real place. Yeah. That made Candyman so much scarier to me. But yeah, seeing it as an adult, you realize it's not a place that just became this way it was made like this and yeah and you see all the it was made that way and it was cut off yeah from from the rest of the bigger community right and exactly. it was left there to die and just kind of rot and decompose and guess what it did and it did and now it's 2021 and those towers no longer exist there yeah the that's, towers are gone that's but crazy the row houses are somehow still there yeah which feels insane that that hasn't been bulldozed and gentrified which is a lot about what Candyman 2021 uh-huh. gets into. Yeah, I really like that this is a movie that takes place in this time. It really takes yeah. advantage of this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it seems like maybe it was written before all the George Floyd stuff, it's echoing all of that. Yeah, well, the movie movement. starts with a 2019. Well, we get a 2019 when we come up to exactly. modern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they now, didn't change that from uh, when it was supposed yeah. to come out. They're like, ah, no one's wearing masks. We should say 2019. This is a real <laughs> one of those. This poster for this movie has been by the like bathroom hallway at the mm-hmm. Roxy for two years now. <laughs> exactly. So when movies would open and then close again and then oh back up, it's like we've been I've been seeing this poster every time I go to the bathroom here 
<laughs> for two years now on and off and it's much better than the other cursed movie theaters that have like old faded minions posters <laughs> yeah. and troll to like so it's better than that it's more of a tease so but it's not as sad man that that third street cinema been closed for two years still has the movie times above <laughs> yeah. the box office <laughs> yeah, they, window they just abandoned that place holy man. cow you didn't even take the that movie it, time slot it is like they're treated that like the apocalypse oh, right yeah brutal <laughs> and uh so candy man i've been dying for this for two years it's such an important movie to me again it's probably I, i've targeted as the first r-rated horror movie that i ever got to watch the original yeah the yeah, original yeah. and it's stuck with me ever since and the movie holds up incredibly oh, not only one of yeah. the most amazing movies to look at ugh, the way virginia madsen looks the way tony todd looks the way the scary scenes are shot the it's music scary. by philip yeah. glass is unlike any other horror score it's a unique incredible movie and you know what this movie sets out to do its own thing while keeping really close to the lore of Candyman and expanding on the lore of Candyman in ways that I thought were cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I th- this love... is an actual sequel, uh, yeah. not, not a remake or a reboot. Yeah, this is just like the Halloween where we ignore you know, Candyman 2 and 3, <laughs> and we just go straight from 92 into mm-hmm. 2019. And we learn that there's it's like a repeating thing, this folklore that goes back through centuries. And the way the movie takes the Candyland myth as a cautionary tale of what could happen, not just to like scare, scare kids, but seeing it happen to people from the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. you know, who were used as an excuse and a convenience and turned into an urban legend. And the way they make that real is so scary. I was I was eyes wide open, intense through so much of this movie. Yeah, this is a really intense movie. Yeah, uh, kind of. Sca- I mean, it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. Good kills, but yeah, the way that they could incorporate the history of Candyman and, like you said, expand on it. This isn't just one guy in the 1800s who was tortured and killed. Yeah, and this comes is not back. just the Tony Todd Daniel. Repetal. This is like the yeah the repeating nightmare the the yeah. uh, every town the had its own Candyman. Every era up. had its own Candyman. These are more and more men. These are from lynchings. These are from these locally you know truck draggings. Right, all right. these things. They're really clear about what this is and these ghosts from the past. You know these urban legends that a guy in your community gets dragged by a truck. And then that's a thing to scare kids. Don't ever go over there. You want what happened mm-hmm. to Hughes? What happened to Sherman? It's a scare story, but it's real. And this history of it and this long hundreds of years of it, Candyman, the new one, d- dives into it, I thought, in really interesting, but ways that it really pays off. It doesn't just bring it up to go, eh? Sure. Right? Current issues? Well, it really yeah, ties yeah. it well into the lore of Candyman. It made the Candyman concept, for me, way scarier than even the first one. Mm-hmm. The concept of these multiple, every project has this Candyman. You know, Candyman's what you use to get to get by, to scare you know to scare people enough to survive. And yeah, whew, yeah, I thought it. I thought it was so effective in the way they presented it. I was into it. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, we start in the 70s where we see uh, uh, a guy in a fur coat 
with a hook for a hand, known as the Candyman, but he's a real guy living in the walls, and he gets <laughs> yeah. he uh, is suspected of poisoning his candy, and so the cops basically kill him. Yeah. And then, yeah, you get con- introduced to this idea that the Candyman is this thing that returns to take on many forms or, or mm-hmm. to, to represent this, many this of these kind injustices. Of, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like know, that. It, it, it's all the local fear, whatever that is. It mm-hmm. preys off that fear. And in, is it an urban legend or is it just scary enough to keep you honest? You know? I mean, I'm of the mindset. I'm a person who weighs out logic and consequences a lot of the time. I'm not going to say anything to summon anything ever <laughs> i'm not gonna recite an incantation yeah yeah i'm careful when singing along to black metal music <laughs> i'm not gonna say someone's play name into, backwards yeah i'm not gonna say someone's name into a mirror any number of times no what's the point not two three what's four the point of or messing five. around with that why i love what's how, the yeah. best thing that can happen to you this movie really does also harp on some of the original stuff mm-hmm. to like the nth degree yes as far as yeah number one people saying Candyman in the mirror happens everybody a dozen times everybody's just teasing movie. each other with it is that what couples joke about at home <laughs> do they sit at home and joke about summoning hook murderers I, I do so. not get that part of the, well, the Candyman. We mythos. we open in present day with like a dinner party where they're drinking wine and talking about wine, and and yeah. our main characters are artists, an artist and an art dealer, boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah. And then halfway through this dinner party, the guy just goes, "I want to tell a scary story." <laughs> All right, Ex- exhibition or exposition time. Yeah, but okay. we get let and in. So we get our legend a... told, and but yeah, it's just funny how it's like now everyone's got to do this. Candyman in the mirror, all like everybody people are compelled. I thought it was a really cool way of introducing the concept to modern society and the fear that the old heads in the movie talk about like someone brought it back, Mm -hmm. like we just think it's buried and someone keeps bringing it back. Somehow, this legend is durable enough that it can just come up at a dinner party, you know, it can just pop up when you don't expect it and get somebody interested. Right. And then it opens up a whole next generation's worth of problems. And the people that don't want to hear it, the, I, I like it, you know, want to hear a scary story? No. No, no one wanted I'm to. I'm just drinking wine they, at this party. He insisted, yeah. And uh, they even make jokes about it. You know, black people don't summon things. Like, <laughs> why are we doing this? Some good, there's, a, there's a good couple bits in there. Like when yeah. the girl looks down the basement steps and just goes, nope. It, it wasn't just as... Oh, that was great. It wasn't just as dumb as kids finding a book of spells mm-hmm. and saying like, look at this is written in Latin. What does this say? This picture of like a gaping mouth demon with like blood dripping off his teeth. Read further. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't have anything dumb like that. I liked the way it got incorporated, and I liked the way the obsession began. Yes. It treated the Candyman myth also as something... I was getting big, uh, like, the fly. When inspiration takes you over, you get that artist edge to this movie that wasn't any part. Mm -hmm. The first Candyman was approached more like Silence of the Lambs. You know, like a profiler. uh, Amateur, but serious more of the mystery Whereas this one the, this no takes a uh, uh, more artist inspiration tipping over into maniacal obsession and that's all that's an interesting way to get back into candy man for also, a modern take on it i also felt they did kind of the uh, freddy's revenge thing of, of <laughs> yeah. the possession angle of candy man being able to actually possess people i a mean it does bit. it does with virginia madsen in a way where she blacks out and is in these 
situations. Right. But you see that more as Candyman accompanying her. Yeah. Whereas this one, you really see that actually starts to take over our main character. Yeah, he really We won't do too many spoilers. Yeah, I don't know about see spoilers. This. It's, but... uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about some important stuff, but uh, just go see it. Our yourself. main man, Anthony, is... Anthony is an artist, but... Slowly gets kind of taken over by this Candyman he myth. He now lives in Cabrini Green. That's mm-hmm. I like how that's that's the how the horror story gets introduced. Right. They live in one of the gentrified, nice penthouse, high-rise places kind of, yeah. in Cabrini and Green. And like, again, like... Had to happen in this year because that's where we're at with the, you know, in the original, it was like the apartments across the freeway looking in on them. Yeah. This one, it's like, no, we've completely torn down those towers. <laughs> yeah. The condemned row houses are still standing, but they're empty. And now we, yeah, we have already But the row houses in. are literally just across the street. Mm. It's that crazy mid-gentrification look that they were really lucky to capture for their, the intent they were going for with this yeah. movie. Yeah never get more of a finer line i mean it is just a fenced off slum it's a bit yeah. right at the border of n- those new flat square communist looking house uh, apartment buildings that you're seeing in all the mm-hmm. nice portland and sf and it's all a, the yeah, right all these expensive areas and yeah artists move into them and because they're cheaper at first and you know they were and I thought interesting discussions about that aspect yeah. too, because the artists aren't really—they're uh, kind of on the hook, so to speak. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> as far as their role in the gentrification, like the artist right. is not the good saving grace guy that comes in and makes something better. It's like they—they they, uh, there's a good conversation about their role, everybody's right. role in this. Everybody's right? role in it, and it's it's approached from an interesting enough angle to keep the horror in check. And I loved how the folklore kept getting brought up. I loved the opening scene introduction where we see our first Candyman. It mm-hmm. is not Tony Todd, that original, you know, right. pianist the, who had an affair with a yeah the eighteen nineties yeah with original a lady. Man. This is our seventies. This is the seventies one, yeah, Sherman. Yeah. And the way it introduced, I mean, immediately the movie feels like that great opening flashback in Us. Mm-hmm. You know, you're back to a different era. I love how they capture that that seventies look of those row houses was just bustling and intimidating. Yeah. You know? Right, right. And maze-like. And it just looks kind of dangerous. That great back shot of uh, some boy that we don't know walking, carrying his laundry in front of the high-rises. Mm-hmm. Those brick fronts with the metal gratings and all the graffiti, man. The place is just scary. And then later... Scary in the, in the brightest day. Yeah. You know, middle of day, scary. Later in the movie, you see those that same kind of shot, but it's all the skyscrapers, you mm-hmm. know, coming coming this way. Right. The building the city up, moving in. Uh, of that. And I thought that was a good juxtaposition. Great. Great. Exactly. And just the way that he's already capturing this vibe in this movie of just danger mm-hmm. lurking, you know. And you even hear people like, hey, don't don't run into Sherman. And we get all these, we don't know Sherman's the Candyman. We don't know there's more than one Candyman. Exactly, yeah. And the first appearance of this kid's Candyman. Oh, man. that I was I was up in my chair, man. I was, <laughs> I thought it yeah. was handled beautifully. That sunlight through the windows in this laundry room basement in the middle of the projects that's on a timed light that mm-hmm. keeps going out. With a big, scary-looking hole in the wall. Oh, the negative space in this movie mm-hmm. really cool. Everything happens in a mirror. The forced views. Everything happens space. in the background. Uh, there's a murder that we see a kill when we're like zooming away from a building. So like the it's very small by the time you're seeing the uh-huh. gory stuff. 
the the yeah the way the, the director way they, the is way able they to do that do these kills that we end up going through we don't see a kill in the beginning we just right. get fear, fearful eyes scary close-ups as you're frozen as some weird man in a beautiful winter coat <laughs> uh, approaches the, the you slower and slower with his yeah. hook hand mm-hmm and, and I kind like of these... grinning and humming and singing and yeah, the creepiness is at a ten already. This new Candyman Sherman, I thought was excellent. What a great! I thought for sure, I saw some banner ad that had Tony Todd in it. I went in expecting Tony Todd back, just reprising Candyman. He's in the movie for fifteen seconds, mm-hmm. but it's a, another guy. It's Sherman. Sherman brings the menace to this and does it really well. I looked that up, never seen the actor in anything else. Great presence. Just made me think of all these, as we went back through the decades and generations of Candyman, made me think of all these other actors that we love. If they would have made this Candyman tale earlier, Mm. like uh, Yefet Koto. Oh, sure. As a Candyman. Oh, that would have been cool. Antonio Fargus, Huggy Bear. This guy had more of a Huggy Bear face. You know, oh, I could see all of this and really getting into all these eras and setting the picture so perfectly. We don't see anything happen to this kid in the first scene, 11, 12-year-old boy. We don't need to see anything. Mm -hmm. We just see an approach, and we hear a yell. We don't get a scream, which I thought was interesting, and it came back to there. We get a yell, and the way that we get back into the modern-day myth I loved the way they kept modernizing it and bringing it into this artist's interest that becomes an obsession, that becomes him going to these condemned projects, hopping fences, Mm -hmm. soaking in a culture that he doesn't realize how attached to he is. And kind of like Virginia Madsen in the first one, he's more doing it so that he can make new art and make money and make his own name. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not No matter how genuine their interests are, it's not totally polluted. Yeah. They're not immediate. They are interested in it. They become obsessed with it. But there is an exploitation to it. And the movies, both of them are really good at not, I think, lingering on that. You know, it's not like a white artist. Mm-hmm. This time, it was another black artist that we find out is more connected than he knows. Oh, I love that reveal. Great. And I was just hooked watching all this hey. unfold in this movie hooked <laughs> We're d- every time jeez <laughs> um a lot of hooks a lot of hooking <laughs> a lot of hooking movie. yeah and because like you said maybe it is appropriate that people will willingly do what's not best for them but just seeing so many people looking into a mirror and saying candy man it is the <laughs> ultimate just like what are you doing what yeah. is the payoff for you what do you get out of this Nobody will remember it in a day from now that you did it if nothing happens. Yeah. Worst case scenario, the myth you heard about getting hooked ass to neck <laughs> might come true. The the one weight seems way worse yeah. for me, so I don't know what the payoff is. I've said it before, but I just love in movies where an idea is introduced and everybody is on board with that idea. Yeah. Whether it's like the Clint Eastwood bare knuckle brawling circuit. <laughs> People or just into it. It's... Candyman, where it's like when someone hears like oh and this it's kind of like you know the bloody mary if you say his name in the mirror he yeah, comes yeah. in whenever anyone hears it they have to do it that's not sure, that's not a thing in the real world yeah. girls aren't just in the school bathroom like all right we're doing you never this. heard any horror stories <laughs> when you were a kid 
I never heard anything. I didn't immediately then go into a mirror to try it out for myself. But you told scary stories as a kid, right? Sure, of course. That's a form of that. You're not invoking any spirits, but you're scaring. You know, you're putting each other in positions where you could piss yourself at a slumber party. Yeah, you don't want to do that, but we all did it. We all wanted to be scared, and we did get scared at these things. But that's a form of that. We just weren't dumb enough to take it. Like, all right, let's potentially get. Ass hooked. I just think it's funny. There's a scene where five white teenage girls, oh, man. during Those the middle poor... of the school day, are like, "Drop everything. We got to stand about in front this of this thing. bathroom mirror while some other girls taking a shit in the stall." <laughs> What's the risk? Don't ask so many questions. Just do it. But like, what? <laughs> I. I, I love that thing when a myth comes back and it's like, man, just when we try to keep these things buried and we think we've evolved far enough past it that we don't get turned into victims, you mm-hmm. know, you learn that these candy men, all of them were innocents. They were wrongly accused, uh, rightfully suspicious in some ways, but innocent men that in other skins would have gotten more of a fair shot. Mm-hmm. And that is what became Candyman. And I love all the different looks at these and the way they use these scares to make it so every generation kept getting scared and now it just somehow is still here where you're getting five white girls. <laughs> Actually, you end up with four white girls because the Asian girl's like, nope. She bolts. Nope, she not today. Yeah. Not doing this. And she's smart. right. She's smart. smart. And uh, just... The four dumb whites. That was a cool scene too, and another great example of like uh, the negative space. Like you don't get to see the brutal kills of these girls up close and personal, but you see under the stall or you see in the reflection of the mirror. This movie, lets your mind do the work. I love when a horror movie will let you scare yourself. Candyman is in my brain when I was leaving it. I was like, man, that felt really violent. Like I cringed and you know squirmed more than once. And then I'm thinking about it, and it's like. Every single thing was practically off camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are hearing squishing and stabbing and wetness. Uh, but yeah. you aren't. When somebody gets stabbed 15 times, you don't see it. When a critic gets smashed into her window and mm-hmm. her face crushed and dragged across it, that was that shot you mentioned briefly yeah, yeah. with the panning back across the cityscape. You're, almost you're going didn't away notice, I almost s- didn't notice it because yeah. I started looking at all the other windows of the sure. building. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait, shit, what's going it's on? It's not like <laughs> she gets punched through the window. It's going on almost in the background. You're yeah. seeing him in, in round corners and in mirrors. He's back. Yeah. He's on the fringes again. He's in the walls. Oh, man, that the hallway kind of- shots in this movie. Yeah, so yeah, many yeah. cool, tight, claustrophobic shots following this guy around like a curved hallway Mm -hmm. or uh, yeah just some really cool stuff a lot of peaks around corners and uh exactly trips inside of dark buildings and flashlight yeah there's a scene where like uh getting chased in total darkness but Mm -hmm. you just see like the flashlight use of darkness like you said the negative space here and the stuff you don't see you do you see a couple of you know throat slashings Mm -hmm. but so much of it is either off camera or way in the background so you just see vague body movement you know slashing yeah and you it's so effective though you feel like you're seeing something so violent the original candy man was so shocking in it's like lurid use of blood mm-hmm. oh, remember yeah. we talked about this how some movies have that cleanly pooled rounded puddle of blood Candyman was just smeared blood <laughs> in these rooms just as all those brick walls were covered in 
graffiti that had been spray painted over 20 times. Yeah. Virginia Madsen in that apartment just swimming in like wow that I love, is just the messiest grossest yeah harshest blood scene i love how the new movie told that story of the original mm-hmm. movie of, of helen and her story yeah and how it got it a little wrong at first right the story getting passed down like that's what i love everybody every time every time helen gets told it's the story keeps getting more mythologized everybody yeah. has the take that they heard yeah everybody has their candy man their helen story yeah but just describing her it's as all making, regional uh, man snow angels in the blood yeah, i was like yeah. yeah that sounds about right yeah that was uh, that was sloppy <laughs> that one was yeah. accurate that was accurate <laughs> i love the way the movie invoked the original without uh Without just without having to do a flashback or anything, right. their choice of doing that shadow puppetry mm. for all the flashbacks, other than our late seventies laundry room, brilliant scene, but all the shadow puppetry to tell about Tony Todd's Candyman story, to tell about Helen Lyle, like while invoke while the the new cool modern score invoked the original Philip Glass yeah, theme, yeah. I liked their use of the original cues. Uh, throughout yes not not so much but the way carpenter still uses his original halloween while building cool industrial stuff off mm-hmm. of it and it I, sounded it sounded like a modern take on that philip glass kind of classic and the philip score. glass score is if it's not a carpenter score that's my favorite it is the Candyman score that glass score is incredible mm. i forgot the name of the composer of this one sorry but i am into it I love what he did with invoking the original while doing his own noise. I thought it fit this version perfectly. But as this obsession uh, from our main artist character keeps growing, he's in a rut. He hasn't painted in two years. He was once the the talk out of grad school. Mm-hmm. And now he's, you know, not been inspired. We both have written. We've both done artistic things. We both know the feeling of not being as inspired. We've all been in ruts. And this kind of captured that artistic obsession that when you feel really inspired and suddenly words are flowing freer and the juices are flowing, you know, it's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's tough to lean away from that even when you see some yellow flags. Yeah, I also like though that kind of no one gets it when he has his inspiration. Yeah. And so he's kind of left like, don't you see? Like it's so obvious. This is this is this great thing, and no one else. He's is really like having to convince people because nobody else is seeing it the way he's seeing it. Yeah. And I liked that kind of spiritual tie-in to original Candyman. That way, Virginia Madsen became kind of obsessed, and her friends were noticing her kind of tipping over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a movie about addiction too, in that kind of way, and just the drive, and that's why all the super nods to the fly of this wanting to know more, wanting to get deeper and not realizing you're consumed until you're already consumed. You know, that's yeah. a thing that can happen. Yeah. And uh, and seeing a, a body transform through yeah. gore, some great body gore. Really it really goes effects. like 1992 like horror sci-fi gore yeah. with a lot of the practical effects. A lot of body transformation stuff beyond the point where any normal man would have gone to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Oh and- my god, the whole movie, <laughs> the whole movie. I'm like, Dude, make some go time out doctor. of your day for this bee sting. The bee sting is now up to your elbow. 
Yeah. Like, you should go. Oh, my God. Take a time to go to urgent care. I, I mean, that's such a that's, that's a thing you see in so many movies and, and, like, sci-fi shows of just, like, the guy whose fingernails are falling off, and he's like, ooh, this is bad. Yeah. Is, uh, this, is ugh, this bad? This is sensitive. This seems bad. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. pa- part of the horror of the fly is just watching Jeff Goldblum decompose right. and talk himself into repeatedly going, like, this is cool. Like this isn't bad yet, or just like interesting. Yeah, interesting. Sure, I have I'm to now... spit on my donut first, right? <laughs> and that's you know this guy is feeling more, as he says, clear-headed and inspired than he's ever felt. He's been more productive than he's ever been. What we what he's working on, we don't quite see all of until later. Yeah, until that's revealed, and uh, but he's more inspired and more interested in something and. I think we've all been through that creatively or other where something interests us a lot and it's exciting to have a new interest, a thing we want to learn more about. If it's a filmmaker, we want to see more of an actor. We want to see more of an author. We want to read more of Mm -hmm. that's exciting when we like something that much to want more of it. And the way this guy gets intro interested in the mythology of Cabrini green and running into an interesting stranger who lived there uh, before when the high-rises right, were right. still standing. The laundromat guy. Laundromat guy is pretty good in this. They get a, a yeah. lot of mileage out of casting a lot of unknowns. Not unknowns, but uh, no major names I, I show knew a, up. I knew a few of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one the woman who played Brianna was in WandaVision. Right. And then the guy with the beard was uh, who you don't see anything of was in hacks and stuff. But it's guys, it's people like that where you see, yeah, like, oh, I know that, him from that one. Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. But a, but it, they all felt like enough of their own thing, so they all fit into this movie really well. Yeah. And I liked his journey of artistic obsession, where he's in a rut, he's in a slump, and then he, yeah, he gets not just dollar signs in his eyes; those are a result, but that creative juice uh you know that like oh my god this is what i've been wanting this is the project i've been waiting to inspire me you know to get me doing this again and you get into it and you get too into it and it consumes you and you start and i like the way they handled it as a body horror as consumption yeah yeah and you know just you're physically going through changes as the people in your life notice you're going through changes that they even make no- artistic nods to that. Like his uninspired paintings are pretty literal interpretations of this white on black violence. Mm-hmm. And then we're getting very literal. <laughs> You're a changing person interpretations yeah. to everybody. So I like that whether intentional or not, I was noticing it. So, nah. but I love what they did with it. I love when these, when this new generation of a candy man starts showing up and the guy re realizes he's more connected than he knows that's a whole third act i did not expect coming absolutely until this guy finally visits his mom Mm -hmm. which we've heard about his mother in several scenes of this movie but we don't recognize the connection until this guy opens the door and visit his mom and i immediately know the connection to the original movie because the actress vanessa williams is in the original Candyman. yes and looks exactly the same 
in the new Candyman. This woman has not aged a day. <laughs> it's insane. It was unbelievable. I it was blew like, the whole game. <laughs> I well, immediately knew what this big, amazing twist is. So spoilers yeah, ahead for but, where we end up going with this really well done take on extending the mythology yeah. and how it gets to a new generation. When we realize that this is the baby that Virginia, that the stories get so mixed up that happened to Virginia Madsen's character. Mm -hmm. I love the way they tied it into that original story and said, like, you can never escape your roots. Did you see that? I thought that might've been a possibility about halfway through the movie. I was like, I wonder if he's, I honestly was not thinking about it. It did not cross my mind. mind. I know the clues are there now going back Mm -hmm. and seeing it. Like I know they're there if I knew what I was looking for, but I was not thinking of it until I saw who the mom was. And then immediately I was like, Oh, Oh no, this is going to be a tough conversation. And I did, I didn't see it coming and I loved it. I love it. It's that whole thing of this guy has done well for himself. This guy went to grad school and this guy didn't know he came from the projects. His mom wanted a better life for him. And I love that backstory about he escaped the ghetto. That's the dream, right? That's what that's what Hoop Dreams is about, man. Maybe getting out of here. You could take the baby out of the ghetto, though. And it's realizing that there's a great line when he's talking. He learns more and more. And you notice the first time this that Anthony heard about Candyman was from Burke, the laundromat guy, the guy that was mysteriously still around the projects. Yeah. Yeah, what was he doing there? That was the one thing where I was like, this guy seems to know more about Candyman than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and, but when he hooks Anthony, hey. ah, gets him interested, and he sees that obsession, and he, he kind of, we find out later, he recognized that tie. He knew this baby would have to return the prodigal son. There's also, I, I have to it. say, there's okay. one of my favorite bits is when Burke at the end, uh, kind of tells the, uh, the our main woman really Brianna, as a, Brianna the story like a bond villain reveal but he uh he compares candyman of course to like stain in a fabric like of course the laundromat guy is like sometimes there's a stain <laughs> and it doesn't get out and you're like wait you're the guy from the laundromat <laughs> and the fabric you can tell the fabric still in of there. society <laughs> Okay. All right, laundromat guy. <laughs> we get it, Burke. <laughs> it's not ketchup. It's well, violence. Well, there's even jokes like that earlier where it's like, that wasn't that wasn't spur of the moment. You had that in the bank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't just say that. That wasn't spur of the moment jokes. You had that line, Burke. You knew your plan for when Candyman Baby returned. You knew been saving that one. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I still loved oh, it. I, think it was I also, what this movie doesn't do, the one thing that I thought was so important to the first movie was how Virginia Madsen is the immediate only suspect. Somehow yes. Anthony is never questioned by anybody, even though the only people that keep getting dead of Candyman are people like directly associated with his art we see more than one news broadcast that calls him out specifically (laughs) as the connection between all the murders yeah he's like the five murders in the school had a startling connection to the ones (laughs) that happened next to Anthony's painting and yeah no one shows up to talk to him say my name by the artist and then they say his name and he's going 
the news said my name. Yeah. So here's the thing, Charlie. But I just like if, the- if there was a local <laughs> local man that snapped and killed a half dozen people with a hook, and it was like the so it's come to this killer <laughs> has finally been, and I would I don't think I would be like that's my podcast right. like. The man sent to death by these two <laughs> podcasters, like, they said my name on the news. The victim was listening to So It's Come to This. We yeah. Like, Hell yeah. That's ours. That's, That's us. us, baby. Man, We're getting that any publicity no, is just, good publicity. Yeah, just the fact that several different television stations have, like, made this connection on air and yeah. no cop ever comes to talk to him. And he's like, doing stuff like uh, knocking over chairs to run out of dinners. <laughs> I gotta go. When there's like somebody's like, look, that woman that you just met with was found <laughs> brutally murdered, and he's like, oh, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, Not subtle. So I gotta say, the movie really uh, made this guy the guiltiest man in Chicago. Right. And somehow it, he was really acting out the way men in Giallo are just like coming home in bloody turtlenecks. And it's like, I was at the movies all day. <laughs> and it's like, Anthony, we need to talk. And then she sees his bloody murder, violent, like yeah. that. Oh, that's so the funny. reveal. Yeah. his So his slow descent into madness. I don't think it's as effective of getting into that Hitchcock mindset that the original did of. What is this woman really going through? What are is she the bad guy? Is she just the one in the wrong place at the wrong time? That that Hitchcock did that so well of being just the guy who ends up with the shit in his lap. Right, right. You yeah, know? that's what I mean. Like the first one is like a mystery, like you were saying, a procedural. Yeah, like you're trying to solve the mystery. Yeah, this while one, the, while this you're seeing a person really a delve into obsession because they're getting into the head. Yeah. Of this community. And this one... Less less of that mystery, but more of the social commentary, mm-hmm. connections to current issues. They're more overt. The yeah. ones in the original are definitely there. Yeah, yeah. But they are not as, you know, say... You don't see anybody with a Black Lives Matter patch. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, the whole, this even one. the say his name or say my name uh, yeah, yeah. tagline, it's like, wow, that's the exact, like tagline that was used in mm-hmm. so many of these black lives matter All movements and and it doesn't lean away from that it in telling i love how it has also given helen lyle like her part in the mythology yeah and the way burke explains it when he's still a rational man <laughs> as uh naming off all these black names saying like ask anybody about these names you get blank stares but one woman dies mm-hmm. in the ghetto. Nobody stops talking about it. Like the story, it never fails. Some guy is going to eventually come here asking me about it. Right, right. Can't escape it, you know? And it's true. There's a lot of that, like, the behavior has to be perfect. You know, the you should have complied. You, yeah. you know, that kind of mindset of, like, if one thing goes wrong, we'll never hear the end of it. But... Every everybody else gets every kind of excuse for why things went wrong, and you see that when you find out this neighborhood Sherman Candy Man is the one, the man that got that was later found to be innocent, mm-hmm. just a local threatening weirdo, <laughs> just someone that the cops technically wanted to take innocent, it out on. yeah, uh, a man that seemed like a threat, 
Not a not a full innocent. So they even weren't, you know. Well, th- he didn't seem like a threat to the other people of Caprini Green. Just to the he cops. was just a guy that was like, oh Sherman, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's the weirdo yeah. that hands out candy. He gives you candy though. I mean, yeah, that's not all bad. No, people make fun of it, kind of thing. It's not a scary thing until he then goes missing and keeps getting seen. Yeah. And then when Anthony in the elevator picks up a piece of candy that he finds, and it's got yeah. the biggest razor blade sticking out of it. <laughs> it's all who was all getting blade, fooled by no razor candy, blades man. and candy. You got to be a person that just took a bunch of razor blade candy into a movie. You're just <laughs> blindly eating candy because this is all blade, like in a little bit of a Rolo. Exactly. Come on, man! Like he's getting fooled by that. His blade is like an airplane hanger in there. <laughs> he's getting cut. The blade's sticking out the edges of the wrapper. He gets cut before he even opens it. Yeah. Like, oh, come on. Who is sloppily <laughs> wrapping this? But did you go through razor blade panic as a kid? Uh, I remember, you remember that, that. I remember that was a thing. Yeah. I remember the stories of that or uh, poisoning candy or That's whatever. an urban myth, man. Yeah, That's the same. never happened. You know, we didn't live in Because you an... can't fit a razor blade in a Tootsie Roll. We didn't. Does <laughs> yeah, it work? You could fit it in a mini <laughs> Snickers. They're square, you know? I don't know. But you Find do a it. mounds. You try you know? it. Yeah, no open candy. Then, that all, was the thing. then it, you get a kid that's like already having to eat like a fucking almond joy and he like, gets I, a razor blade I wish there was a razor oh, blade in this. like man double down <laughs> on sad but you know we didn't live in an area where we had a scary man that could live in condemned buildings <laughs> that's true you know but we had different myths we had the razor blades and candy mm-hmm. we had uh aids needles in the under the gas pumps Ooh. was one that uh, was around that I heard it I always on the heard, school bus. I always heard the AIDS needle in the movie seats. When, I never when heard you, that. When you had the seats would fold up and down. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would, they, you wouldn't, you would just, jabbed you would just and push you that known. seat down, you wouldn't look. See? You'd get it right in the keystone. I checked axe handles until I was in my 20s. I'm going or, to start. Uh, or the gas handles. I swear. You know what I do now? I check the skimmers on the ATMs. That's the new like the <laughs> the new urban legend is they're gonna steal your debit card oh information at the gas pump. It keeps they keep recurring. <laughs> it and keeps happening. There hasn't been a time in our life than more people have been sucked into legends and right. myths. You know, just something they heard, something they read about, somebody something told them, and. You know, Candyman shows how organically those kind of things can spread and how scary the legends could get twisted into as the story, you know, as somebody uses them more as a scare story. The way that they kept having a story get told a little bit differently. I love that. The way the legend, like you said, AIDS needles on the gas pumps, AIDS needles in movie seats. Neither of us heard of the other one until right. now. And we grew neither up, probably existed yeah, ever, right? Neither happened, I assume. And we grew up 10 miles apart. We're already getting different <laughs> yeah. versions of this myth. And I love that. I love the lore of all the Candyman, all in their great Chicago heavy coats. <laughs> oh, I love these. Like, they're all, oh, the big yeah. fur collars. We still got that. Love the costuming on this. And... I just loved it. I loved the ways it connected to the and showed how you can escape your past. The present is it's different, but Burke has this great line where he says, you know, they love us for what we do. They don't love us. Yeah. When he's telling the tales of all these real men, these real men who became their candy man. This talented pianist who they loved performing for, you know, this this portrait artist who yeah. painted these beautiful portraits for the the elites. They loved his work, but the second he tried to become one of them, that's when he got tortured, beaten, arm cut off, bees dumped on him, burned to death. 
the bees, man. The bees, man. That's that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, and you hear the that term of generational trauma and all that and this movie definitely has that message of yeah. This is so wrong what has happened to us that it's it never goes away really. Yeah. And you get these different households you grow up in, the different things you're scared of, the different personal fears due to just where you ended up. When I would drive with one of my friends who, my buddy Carlos, uh, show legend. Carlos. Show legend. The guy I watched Candyman with exactly. when we were 11 of years course, old. Of course. We went by a graveyard and he said something like in Spanish. And it's like, you know, just something that his mom would do or his grandma would do, pretty sure. To ward off, you know, a spirit. Yeah, you don't, dri- don't just follow drive me. by a cemetery. A thing that I had never th- crossed my mind uh, just because of you know, whatever whatever gets passed down through my family and right. where I grow up and what you hear on the bus. And it's just cool how close we can be and we all have these legends. And the way the Candyman legend is handled here, I think is pretty impressive. I think they did a real justice to the franchise. Mm. I think this is... I, I'm a fan of the sequels, especially too, but this feels like the strongest part of the franchise outside of the first one. I thought this was really great. I thought it was good. I uh, did not think where we've all had these other modern horror movies. It's not rare that we get modern horror that touches on current social issues. We've gotten it a lot lately. Sure. And some people have complained about it. And some movies that I am enjoying the way they're bringing it in, like the newest black Christmas, mm-hmm. they don't follow through on it. And it becomes more of a, Oh, you're just saying it to say it. You know, you're just bringing it up because it's current and relevant. This movie does something with it and does something that I think, you know, actually has something to say and says it pretty well. You don't know that you're going to become the next victim. You don't know that, you know, you say whether it was made before him or not, somebody like George Floyd, who's not necessarily a perfect person. He didn't plan on some people misinterpreting him as a martyr. He didn't ask to be a martyr for this cause. He just happened to be a guy that died Mm -hmm. at a time when public consciousness was heightened. And just like Anthony doesn't know he's (laughs) got roots to Candyman, you don't know when you're going to be the next urban legend. And the movie does a real good way of showing it how it keeps getting them fenced in and keeping them where they can see them. And letting them build their own fear tactics and their own legends. And I thought it really worked. Yeah. I thought this was nothing but a huge success. And uh, I, I think it's good. I hope it's a huge success. Yeah. And if you are still on the fence, yeah, 91 minutes. You are in and out. Love this tight 91. Nice R rating. 91 R- minutes. But Again, a gruesome movie without being exploitative. Mm-hmm. Um, an involving movie without having that feeling that you've watched 20 minutes that you didn't need to watch. Totally. That's a feeling that I'm getting so much lately on any length of movie. This is a tight 90. This got to the point. It got to the obsession. It got through our themes. You saw this movie play out at a really good pace. You saw the thing spiral. Mm-hmm. Real satisfying. And it's, yeah, it's nice getting the end of a movie and being like, oh, yeah, that ended when it should have ended. Like, that really... It hit its notes and it kept jumping to those peaks. Very satisfying, like five last five minutes. Yeah, yeah, 
I liked the, it. the way it tied it in and the use uh, of the visual effects were very good. The film, the way they use the, the daylight. We talked about this in the first one. Daylight horror mm-hmm. is a different level of scary to me. That's on a, <laughs> daylight's the safe Harbor. When man. it's out in the open, yeah. you know, when you're in a big spooky house and it's alone and it's at night. Yeah. That's, that's the fear. But when it's out in the open, it's daylight and it's scary. That's effective because that's <laughs> that's totally. taken away every safe location, every safe space. And this movie did great daytime horror. It did great uh, obscured view horror. It was just very effective. It, it, it had a good intentions, and I think it stuck all of them. If you ignore the silly stuff like this guy somehow never being a, a suspect, right? that kind of thing, honestly... I think I would rather have that just skipped over than adding 15 minutes of right, of, of some, movie of some to him being uh, grilled by uh, by yeah. cops. I, I kind of like that decision. I love how it was used in the first one mm-hmm. because it really heavily played on that thriller mentality of, did she do this? She seems very guilty, but it's plausible she's being set up for this. This movie just skipped past that. And that's cool. That's different. And... It allowed the movie to peak in a different way. Mm-hmm. I I don't I I loved it. I know some people. I think it's getting some pretty mixed reviews. Loved it or hated it kind of things, but I loved it. I hundred percent. Yeah, I thought it was great. Good scares. Yeah. Good commentary. Sometimes a a dumb white guy like me needs to be hit over the head with this <laughs> message to really sink it in. Sure. And I think this movie did I just it, enough to really sink in the the full you know, totality of this history yeah. and how it still perpetuates and how it's still scary out there for f- yeah. people, people who don't look like me. Yeah. And it's, uh, I thought it blended it really well. Yeah. I thought they did a great job of blending that modern message. Uh, the same way a movie like get out in us mm-hmm. are doing. That's why I went into this with high hopes because, you know, Jordan Peele at this point, if his name's on the writing credits for something, I mean that's a that's a pretty good seal for me. This guy seems to get, for me at least, how to blend these modern elements into current horror. I've been nothing but into <laughs> yeah everything he's done for the genre. I'd much rather have a zillion Jordan Peele TV projects than Ryan Murphy projects for someone <laughs> yeah. who's getting paid good Seriously. money to make modern horror. This movie looked great for its twenty five mil budget. This movie yeah. looked beautiful. The director Nia DaCosta. Um... She's about to do her next movie. It's going to be a Marvel movie, of course. She, they've, they've got always her on the Marvel that man. train. Always. Anytime an, an acclaimed indie director <sighs> makes a good movie, they're like, get her for the Marvel. Yeah. If you can make a movie for $20 million, you get a Marvel movie, <laughs> man. You're, that's your next step. Good for them. Yeah. You know, say la vie. But, uh, Come back to horror when you're yeah, done. Yeah, please. I love- Because I want to uh, see more of this. I know Peel was originally supposed to direct this, but hmm. uh, plans change. Uh I love what he brought to it. It had the same tones. I even got the girl from Us. It was so good. Mm. That carnival, you get that brief shot of our, our art dealer as a girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As she already witnessed her father. Her artist's oh, father commit suicide, and now she's witnessing her artist's boyfriend driving himself to uh, madness. I love the way they made those connections to these things that haunt us these legends and you know these things we can't escape no matter how hard we try these mm-hmm. things that have to stay with us because people won't let us forget i thought they nailed it uh this is a this is a great movie 